Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Access Talk with Trish, a 30-minute weekly online radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our communities. And I'm your host for the show, Trish Robichaud, disability inclusion coach, author, facilitator, and motivational speaker. I'm a woman with a disability, but I'm definitely not a disabled woman. The Access Talk with Trish radio show can be heard live on Wednesdays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern at accesstalkwithtrish.com, or you can listen to past show recordings on demand at any time at the same address or on iTunes, if that's how you roll. This show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. And on that note, I'd like to introduce you to my guest for this week. We have Joe Dale. Joe is the Executive Director of the Ontario Disability Employment Network's Center for Excellence in Employment Services for People with Disabilities. The Center of Excellence focuses on engaging and educating businesses about the benefits of hiring people with a disability and on ensuring Ontario has a strong and effective employment service delivery network. Joe's worked in the field of disability for over 40 years and spent much of that time addressing issues related to employment for people with disabilities. Before becoming the Odin Executive Director, Joe operated Vision Consulting, assisting both business and not-for-profit organizations interested in helping people with disabilities obtain jobs in the workforce. Prior to this, he was with Community Living Ontario as the Director of Membership Services. Joe is also the founder of the Rotary at Work Initiative, a program focused on educating businesses about the benefits of including people with disabilities in the workforce. Joe is also a member of former Lieutenant Governor David C. Onley's accessibility team and participates on several provincial consultation teams related to policy creation and focus on disability matters. These include the Partnership Council on Employment Opportunities for People with Disabilities and Working Group on Creating a Province-Wide Employment Strategy for People with Disabilities. He is an internationally renowned speaker speaking to business, government, and nonprofits on the issue of strategic engagement of people with disabilities in the workplace. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Trish. It's a pleasure to be here. I know you've been doing great things with ODIN for years now. Can you please share with our listeners what ODIN is and what it does? Uh, Sure. Uh, ODIN is a network of employment service agencies from across the province. And these employment agencies are all in the business of helping people with disabilities to gain access to the workforce. So that, that's our membership base, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. we, focus our, and we focus our efforts in five key areas. We do a lot of work to engage businesses, uh, to build awareness and educate businesses about the benefits of hiring people with disabilities. 
And for those who express interest in that, we actually go right on site and work with businesses around uh, reviewing their recruitment and onboarding processes, uh, getting them connected to organizations and candidates with disabilities, and really uh, just helping ease the path. We, we do a fair bit of training for, for supervisors and managers to ensure they uh, are comfortable and confident in having people with disabilities on their teams and uh, just make sure that that works in a, in a very seamless way and ultimately our goal is to help businesses build capacity so that they can hire people with disabilities just as the natural course of doing business. Fabulous. So you must have long-term clients by now, um, businesses that have engaged your services and allowed you to have some kind of impact on company culture. Would you say yes? Uh, yes, we do. Um, you know, we have a, a whole variety of businesses we work with. In some cases, if it's a small business, it's as simple as uh, brokering a deal. So just connecting them to the community agency in their in their area that has the can the labor candidates, uh, the folks looking for work, right. and letting them letting that agency do its job uh, in supplying the candidates and the support services to the business. But with larger businesses that maybe are a little more complex or where they're looking to hire multiple people, then we get much more involved, uh, as I described. So uh, we have companies that we've worked with for a few years now um, ongoing around uh, helping them really to create an inclusive workforce. Wonderful, that's good to hear. That's good to hear because, you know, it's the, it's the repetitive, you know, the ongoing that really have the impact, uh, can have the impact on a company culture. Um, so tell me, Absolutely. tell me, Joe, um, I want to talk a little bit about your upcoming conference, Rethinking Disabilities. Uh, how many years have you been hosting this event? Um, this would be, I think, our fifth conference. Um, we we tend to do it annually, although uh, we have been a year and a half now because we we shifted our timing from a June event to a, an October event. Right. Uh, this conference uh, really is focused on uh, an audience of uh, service providers, people who work in the employment service arena. Mm -hmm. We've also done conferences specifically for businesses, uh, but we, we find it's very difficult to attract both audiences to the same event, so we, we focus our efforts on the various audiences. We've learned that, the, that it's a different message and a different way of approaching the audiences, so we, we just focus on them separately. So, Joe, could you share a couple of highlights uh, about this year's agenda? Sure. Well, this year, um, as agenda, some of the highlights, we have our pre-conference session uh, this year, our pre-conference workshop, which is uh, dedicated exclusively to transition issues to help uh, look at how young people with disabilities transition from school into the workplace and some really uh, positive and uh, leading edge practices around how to make that transition smooth and uh, effective. Um, our, our keynote speaker, uh, uh, Rich Donovan, who we're really excited to have 
Uh, I don't know if you know Rich. He's the I CEO know, of I know of Rich. I've actually talked to him, I think, maybe twice over the last 15 years. But uh, I'm actually looking to uh, thank you for the suggestion to uh, invite him to be a guest on the show. Yeah, Rich is a, a very a brilliant man who has a real uh, keen sense of uh, how to kind of shake trees and how to look at this issue in a whole different light. And uh, so we're we're excited about him bringing his message to our audience to, uh, you know, I think really help people who work in service in the service industry understand a business perspective to right. employ employing people with disabilities. Uh, we have. Uh, Speakers, uh, one gentleman, Sam Fiorello from uh, Sensei Marketing, which is uh, who's written books and teaches on influence marketing, who's going to help bring some of his skill set to our uh, delegates at the conference, and uh, quite a host of, of speakers who are talking about leading edge and best practice uh, research, all of the things that uh, we feel are important. And then, of course, conferences are, are really key for people to network and learn from their colleagues and uh, from across the province as well. Of course, of course, absolutely. From your experience, what are some of the key aspects to delivering a fully accessible conference? There's got to be more than a few. Well, it's running an accessible conference. I mean, I think you have to just be aware of your audience and and the general public uh, when you think about the number of people with disabilities who live in Canada. And uh, so there's everything from the venue to the um, accessibility of the venue. Uh, we close caption all of our sessions uh, and also have sign language interpreters for people with communication challenges. Um, and it's right down to uh, accommodating special diets. You know, I think people often think of as, as of accessibility as being something wild and mysterious, but we mm -hmm. accommodate people all the all the time, everywhere and every day. You know, mm -hmm. whether it's special diet or um, needing uh, to have an assistant uh, with a person to, as I say, communications so mm -hmm. and physical barriers. So we we try to make sure we've got as much of that in places as, as possible because it's important uh, for us to, I think, be leaders and demonstrate to the broader community that accessibility is uh, not hard to do and that it's an important thing to do. Mm -hmm. And that it benefits everyone. And that it benefits everyone, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. As you say, the, the some, you know, in terms of the diet restrictions, um, this is just an, another type of accommodation. That's all it is. And that's um, exactly the way we see it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I understand you founded the Rotary at Work initiative for the Rotary Club and of Whippy. Can you explain to our listeners what the objective of the program is and how it works? Sure. Um, just a bit of history. I'll, when we started the Rotary at Work initiative, we really saw it as a bit of a marketing strategy with a, a niche audience. Uh, Rotary clubs predominantly are, their membership is business owners and operators, mm -hmm. uh, but business owners and operators who care about having uh, good communities and who are willing to give back to the community. So we started it really as a marketing driven initiative. 
But we learned very quickly on that, in fact, it was much, much more than that. It's really about building capacity. This is an approach that this is an approach that we've taken uh, pretty much with all of our employer engagement work that we've done ever since. Um, and what, what we learned was that it's better to help businesses uh, understand disability and become comfortable and confident at having people with disabilities in their workforce, in their customer base, and so on, uh, so that they don't have a reliance on marketing and service agencies forever, that the idea is to help them become independent and and build the capacity to engage people with disabilities as a natural course of doing business. Mm -hmm. So we learned learned early on uh, a couple of very valuable lessons. Uh, One is that it's important to relate to business uh, with what we call the business case. In other words, in other words, why is this important to business? Why should they mm. care about disability? And the second big lesson we learned is it's a much better um, pitch when you have that pitch made by a peer, uh, another business person. So we tap into business leaders across the province who are, uh, ha- who are exceptional employers of, of having inclusive practice and hiring people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And we and we have them do presentations to other businesses, so in a peer-to-peer approach. Uh, to the point where, yeah, and we find that message just resonates so much more with businesses. Right. It's it's now to the point where I actually don't go to a new business or a chamber of commerce to do presentations anymore unless I have a business champion with me. Mm. Uh, that can help make that pitch and make the sale, so to speak. Their voice just resonates much more closely and clearly with business because, you know, they speak the same same language. You know, I'm mm-hmm. always going to be from the sur- service sector trying to sell something, uh, whether it's a concept or an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have, no ve- they have no vested interest, so they're able to get the message across in a whole different way that very much resonates with, with a business audience. Yeah, that makes sense. I never thought about that before. Thank you so much for that, Joe. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, further about all that you do and uh, some key messages that we'd like to leave with our listeners. We'll be right back. Devon has been with his company for over five years, since before his legs started giving him trouble. He loves his job, he's great at it, and he plans to stay with the company till retirement if possible. Problem is, it's getting difficult for him to walk from his desk to the washroom. His supervisor, Aisha, lets Devon know that she's noticed he's having some trouble. She suggests they move his desk closer to the entrance and the washroom. Devon is relieved and agrees. This is an example of a basic accommodation that helps make a workplace inclusive. Did you know that 50% of accommodations don't cost a dime and 80% cost $500 or less? The inclusion of people with disabilities in the workforce is the best answer to our current labor shortages. And making businesses accessible to customers with disabilities sees you tapping into their $32 billion spending power. Sound good? Then let a changing paces, warm, and friendly expert take you by the hand and walk you through the steps to making your business accessible to everyone. Visit us at changingpaces.com today. And we're back. 
Of all of the advocacy you do for people with disabilities, Joe, I understand that you are most passionate about employment. Clearly, mm -hmm. it's, in the, it's the foundation of your mission. Can you share some of the key messages that organizations need to hear about employing people with disabilities? Well, some of the key messages, I think, uh, are really uh, marketplace issues that are, are not well understood. So we, when we advise businesses that, you know, 16% of the Canadian population is comprised of people with disabilities, which is equal to the combined populations of Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. Wow, that sure puts it into perspective, doesn't it? it? It sure does. And businesses really, for the most part, have no idea that the demographic and the marketplace is that big. But more powerfully, when you add to that 16% family and loved ones, it's 53% of the marketplace that is directly affected by disability. Mm -hmm. I would suggest, and I would suggest to you that there's a greater emotional attachment to disability than there is to interest rates or unemployment rates or any of those other factors that businesses and people care about. Um, so if a business is ignoring this demographic, um, they're doing so at their own peril. They're, they're missing an opportunity to bring customers into their place of business. They're missing the opportunity to engage existing employees who care about family members with disabilities. They're missing out on the talent pool that is available to them, uh, of, which includes people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's, that's, a, that's a key message, and it's a big message to, you know, kind of wake it's, up the audience. 53% so is quite staggering, isn't it? it? It's enormous, and when you add to that, you know, spending power, I think uh, globally they're saying that the, the spending power, the annual disposable income of that demographic uh, globally is $10 trillion U.S. Wow. So businesses can no longer afford to ignore this demographic. Mm -hmm. Not, and, that's, and that doesn't even get into the whole side of what people with disabilities can bring to the workplace in terms of skills and abilities, innovative and different ways of solving problems, you know, uh, that they may not have on their teams currently. Uh, engagement of, of employees and the ability to have customer loyalty and brand loyalty. These are all important factors for business that really uh, are part and parcel with addressing the broader community in a, in a different way. And a completely untapped resource for building a sustainable workforce. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's a big factor today. Businesses are really hurting because they can't find uh, the labor that uh, skilled and unskilled. There's uh, big challenges right now with uh, labor shortages in Canada. So, you know, we have to look at uh, businesses have to look beyond their current uh, platform of recruiting and hiring. Yeah. And and to see the benefit, they they have to they have to find a way to see the the bottom line benefits um, to uh, to building an inclusive uh, workforce. 
Yes, and I, and I believe it's really key to systemic change as well. I, I think what we've seen over the years is businesses that hire uh, out of good intention because they think it's the right thing to do or it's good corporate social responsibility or it's a charitable thing to do. Right. And, and those initiatives really lead to what I call token hires. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but the unemployment rate hasn't, for people with disabilities, hasn't changed over the last 35 or 40 years, which means we're not making systemic change. Mm-hmm. And I think that systemic change is only going to happen when businesses uh, see a different have a different perspective on disability, when they see it as a marketplace issue, when they see it as a talent issue, then mm-hmm. people will be truly valued in the workplace and the doors will open. That, I, I hear you. I'm totally with you in agreement. I believe, it, it, you know, the disability employment movement is just like any, you know, any other social cause, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, people with disabilities advocating for people with disabilities um, is just like you know social change happens in generations. Just like you know when women got the right to vote, it's not like their hubbies were saying, "Come on, honey, let's go. I take you up to vote." It, that that took probably the next generation before their daughters were you know given open right to vote. Um, and unfortunately, that is a reality. But I think there's a lot we can do to help that along. Don't you think, Joe? I think there is. Uh, from For my part, I think one of the first steps, though, is to really build awareness um, and education, educate businesses and the broader community around disability. In, mm-hmm. in, part, in part, we've been... Um, created our own barriers through our social structures. And we've had so many uh, really good community not-for-profit agencies that have, in quotations, looked after people with disabilities, that it's created a bit of out of sight, out of mind for the broader community. And we need to right. uh, flip that on its head a little bit and make sure the broader community understands uh, you know, the, the disability demographic and the broader implications of that demographic. Right. And, there the, is, and the potential benefits there are to the rest of society to completely integrate, to, to be inclusive, that we are not people with disabilities sitting on the sidelines anymore or sitting in the background or waiting to be called upon or waiting to receive service. Um, we We strive to be... Com, com, you know, uh, competitive, uh, participatory, um, cooperative elements of society, whether that be in employment and retail, whatever, right? We -hmm. want to be there. That's the objective. Yeah. Can you give us a couple of organizations that have embraced an inclusive workplace as a result of Odin's efforts? Uh, Sure. Uh, We've uh, been working in the last while with uh, Dare Foods out of uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, uh, who, have hired, who have hired quite a number of people with disabilities in their facilities. Um, this summer, we worked with the Canadian National Exhibition, who hired, uh, I believe it's close to 58 people with disabilities for summer employment. Oh, rock on. 
and that's the, awesome. the yeah, and that's more significant than we realize uh, because their average employee age is 19, and each year their first line of hiring is rehiring from the year previous. So theoretically, kids could get jobs there at 15 or 16 and have summer jobs for four or five years in a row. Wow. And the, and the research we've seen out of the U.S. shows that the number one indicator of successful labor market attachment for young adults with disabilities is having had a single paid job while in high school. So the, the long-term impact of that CNE initiative is phenomenal in what it, what it provides in opportunity. Awesome. And I'm sure yeah. that, um, you know, it's uh, I tell two people and you tell two people. So over, over time, it would become easier and easier for CNE to do their recruiting because, you know, the people who are working there year after year are so happy with it, they're going to be telling their friends, right? For sure, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a good news story all the way around, but we don't uh, in Ontario have enough, in my opinion, we don't have enough emphasis being placed on youth employment, so getting kids at 14 and 15 and 16 into after-school jobs and summer jobs to create um, that understanding of what it means to work, to learn the soft skills that employers are looking for, even to determine what they like and don't like in a job and what, you know, what kind of academic pursue mm -hmm. based on a life experience versus you know, a TV uh, experience of what the world of work looks like. Right. Totally. So there's, there's lots, yeah, lots of benefits from getting more young people uh, engaged in the workforce at an earlier age. Oh my goodness, yes. Learning those, uh, learning those core skills, you know, around responsibility and time management and, you know, all of those, those those skills that we can develop early on that will take us throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, we're going to wrap up here, Joe. What do you think we as a society can keep in mind on a daily basis to minimize barriers to accessible employment? Well, I think one of the things that uh, is important is that the disability demographic is growing and there are more similarities than differences when you consider people with disabilities and those without disabilities and any one of us can become disabled by virtue of accident illness or injury or old age and face the same kinds of barriers so if if things are designed from the onset with disability in mind you're going to accommodate everyone eventually Mm -hmm. and, and so I think it's, it's really about creating a society in the whole who looks after, looks after everybody based on making sure the world is accessible to everyone. Very good. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate you joining me today. Great. Thank you very much, Trish. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to our listeners so much for joining us for today's episode of Access Talk with Trish a 30-minute weekly online radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our communities. 
Please join us again next week at, on Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. This show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. Till next time, take self-care seriously, folks, and God bless.